you don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. That's it. That's what you're supposed to say. I know. For a minute, I kind of blanked out. You know, I was thinking, you really don't sound autistic. You got to stop saying that because the point of the podcast is that people don't, you can't sound autistic. I understand. <clears throat> and I thought um, maybe we could talk a little bit more about what we mean by that because I was talking to someone this week and I was like, oh, I have a podcast. Um called you don't sound autistic and they said oh that's really interesting what does autism sound like and i was like well listen to the podcast and you'll find out (laughs) it's like that's the whole point i don't think it does i don't think it does have a sound it's like um and we were talking in our last episode about the differences between men and women and how everything presents super differently so I just found myself kind of reflecting on the last couple of years before we knew that autism was a part of our lives. Okay. And it got me thinking, so did you ever have any idea that you might be autistic? Not that I was autistic, but I always thought I was different. Okay. Um, I think I told you before that I, I said I, I had a selective learning disorder. I thought that was a really creative way to put it. Yes, and and I agreed with you at the time. And I would tell people that I have a selective. I would have. A, I have an SLD, selective learning disorder, <laughs> that I I only learn certain things because of my interest in them. And then I, this is more related to ADHD than anxiety, no anxiety, um, than autism. But that's pretty much ADHD. But we were talking in the last episode about autism presenting with special fixed interests. And so I well, I, I guess I guess it is um, connected then. I think it is connected. I and I agree with you. Like once we were kind of walked into this world of ADHD by um, the physician that diagnosed you, it was almost more confusing to try and figure out what applied to your life because. It was through this narrow channel of like you have you're and he actually said to you, you're the poster child for ADHD. And I don't even think he like looked up at you a collective number twice during the entire visit. I think he was looking down at his pages the whole time. Right. And I remember thinking like, dude, your patient's right in front of you. Did he even identify or support you with anxiety at that time? I don't remember... I think I talked to his um, nurse practitioner. Right, when you went back for a follow-up? Yeah, because she didn't charge nearly as much. Right, I remember that. Because it was like $2,000 or something crazy. It was an insane amount of money. Um, And actually, it's good that you bring that up. I have some friends that would like to undergo the evaluation and get official diagnoses but it's not all covered by insurance and it is in some cases like two or three thousand dollars for that visit right and so that alone is a deterrent from people getting some real answers and and i find that to be really a challenge yeah i mean it's too bad our uh 
healthcare system in this country sucks so much. Right. So it would be nice to to have the ability to go and get yourself checked out for whatever it is. It doesn't have to just be, you know, autism, ADHD, or any of those anxiety or depression, but you know, for any mental or emotional or emotional issues that you might be dealing with. We were going through healthcare that last in general. I think should be uh, f- not free, but it should be totally revamped. You know, if if, if we we all share the roads, right? right? We all pay for that. We yep. we all everyone can use the police and the fire department. So we yep. should all have the ability services. to yeah. We should all have the ability to go to the doctor when we need to. I agree, and I think that it's. I think, you know, I played around. I've played around with this whole podcast with the concept of, you know, creating this neurobiodiversity definition. And I've kind of talked myself in and out of it. I know a couple weeks or months ago, Kate posted in the Facebook group um, a study about the difference between using the word neurodivergent and the word neurodiversity. And it was really illuminating. And I read it and I thought about it and I was like, hmm. So where I'm going with this is that I've clarified my position and I don't know that it's the right time to kind of create a new term neurobiodiversity although I like the way it sounds I think it's more accurate to talk about the biology of neurodiversity and the biology of neurodiversity is a crossover between these neurological conditions which many are present from birth and are believed to be genetic um but also include a very strong biological component because the body's in fight or flight. Now, we don't make that connection in our medical world right now. We don't connect it to a fight or flight syndrome. We just say, oh, it's really common that you have digestive issues and sleep issues and social emotional reciprocity issues with, you know, autism and ADHD. They miss social, you miss social cues, you misunderstand, um, you know, you learn differently, but biologically speaking, this, you know, nervous energy in your body, the, the digestive issues, the um, low immunity, these are all things that if you close your eyes to neurodiversity and just look at a fight or flight response, match identically. Did you know? No. I <laughs> caught you in the middle of a stretch there. But, you know, you probably know this because I'm actively giving our son like so many supplements and you look at me like woman you are nuts i do that sometimes <laughs> it's but a it's a lot it is a lot and i would agree that it's a lot and poor kids just drinking vitamins <laughs> and it, t- it looks and smells and tastes like vitamins it does well you know a like little a flintstone vitamin little little chocolate but it <clears throat> the vitamins that are in that concoction his little shake cocktail in the morning consists of prebiotics and probiotics to help build his immune system okay because his immune system is highly susceptible to you know allergies skin infections um you know minor infections illnesses viruses i mean his little ear infection started to come back last night i mean just constantly there's constantly these low immunity issues and then there's digestive issues and so all of those, I give him the prebiotics and the probiotics to help support his digestive system. Do you have chronic challenges with your tummy? Chronic? Chronic. What does that mean? Chronic means um, that it lasts for longer than three days in your life at a time. Oh, I thought that was weed. 
No, no. Like the chronic. Or chronic tacos. But no, chronic, there's, a, there's in the medical world, there's acute and chronic. And acute means it's happening right this minute. Oh, I thought it was adorable. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> and chronic means it, it it's sustained. It's a sustained um, condition that you right. deal with. Um, so yeah, I do have, I'm glad we're talking about this because it's, Feel feel really comfortable talking about my digestive issues. Sorry, I wouldn't have to go into detail, but does your tummy give you challenges from time to time? I feel challenged by it every once in a while. Yeah, and like reoccurring challenges. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not daily, but sometimes daily. You can go through periods of time where it's like I don't have a period. <laughs> I love how literal you are. <laughs> Sorry. My, my human autocorrector. It's it, the thing is now that I know that it's a part of your autism. Like I, I don't think you're just being a, a, an ass. But I used to think that before I knew differently. Oh, so you think people that are autistic are asses? Huh? I didn't make that connection. Or you used to? I just used to think that behavior was you oh. being mean to me. Now I understand it's you. It has nothing to do with me. You're just autocorrecting the things I say that are either. Incorrect. I was trying to be funny. I know. Wasn't trying to autocorrect anything. Oh well. Jeez. I will now. <laughs> I'm very tired for some reason. I did not sleep well last night. Oh, see, now I'm glad you mentioned that because chronic sleep issues are another symptom. See, the thing is, I'd probably sleep better if I had some chronic. You probably would. But I'm not allowed to, to do that anymore. No, well, we live in the wrong state for that. Well, I could still, get, I'm sure I could get a medical card. They have uh, dispensaries I've seen. Here? Not like really close by, but I drove by. I drove by one. I didn't I was know in, that. Uh, Atlanta the other day. Okay, well that's good to know. Yep. But chronic sleep issues. Have you had challenges with sleep for most of your life? Falling asleep or staying asleep? Why are you talking to me like you're a doctor again? I'm not. I'm stop a- doing this, Doctor Phil. I'm not. I'm because you know I'm the asking. answers to these questions. You're 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 asking leading questions. I am asking leading questions. It's more like lawyer than doctor. But okay, well there you go. Well, I'm saying like Dr. Phil, because it would be something to be like, have you had digestive issues your entire life? Yes. <laughs> um, what was the, what was the most sleep. recent question? Sleep. How well do you sleep? I sl- most of the time I sleep pretty well. You've started to sleep in but the last year since your medication all changed. Yeah. But, but before that, my sleep sucked. Yeah. It's a, it, you know, it's one of the things when I talk to parents that finally get a diagnosis of autism or ADHD and they look back and they go, oh my gosh, sleep issues are part of this. If I'd known that when my child was younger, I would have been able to catch this sooner. Um, Sleep issues are now becoming kind of a common theme and most people don't know that it's one of the earliest uh, detectable signs of neurodiversity. Sleep issues. Sleep and digestive issues actually are are the first two. Great. So insomnia and diarrhea. Yeah, not sexy, is it? Insomnia. <laughs> and low immunity. Diaromnia. <laughs> How do you do that? Check, take your pick. <laughs> I like the second one better. Diaromnia? Yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah, sounds like something that you make at school that looks like shit. <laughs> like a diorama. <laughs> Diorom- this is a diaromnia. Oh, gosh. It's a picture of a man pooping while he sleeps. Oh, no fun. Okay. That's no fun. Fine, um, fine. It's a picture of a. Let's make it even. It's a picture of a woman. Oh. Pooping while she sleeps. Okay, that's not fun either. Okay, I was trying to just you know diversity. Yeah. Trying to recognize trying both to, sides. That's fair. Yeah, actually, I guess there's more than two sides now because we have all the, LG, all the, the LGBTQ plus. 
I th- and I think community. that's absolutely. I think so this like is s- all inclusive. Right, all inclusive. Absolutely, like because the fight or flight response is not gender specific. No. No. No, living in fight, fight or flight. Flight, fornicate, flatulence. Is that isn't that one of them? <laughs> Fib. Oh, I thought flatulence was one no, too. No, 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 no. You I mean, sit there like I, um, you freeze and you fart. Okay, so it's interesting you say that because I, in some of the parents that I talk to, it's really interesting when they say, "Oh my gosh, I can tell when my kid gets stressed out because all of a sudden they start like passing gas," and I'm like, "Well, because your body, when your body flips into fight or flight." One of the most immediate things that happens is that your body, your brain says, oh, you have a threat coming and you don't need your digestive system. So they're going to shut that off and move all the blood out of your digestive system to your external, you know, to your muscles. So you've got that energy to run away or fight or whatever. And so coincidentally, although not more like predictably, yeah, you're going to end up starting to pass gas because your digestive system just shut off. I'd like to say that I'd like to, uh, I would like to say that I feel proud to be the one bringing up things like flatulence because <laughs> I think it heightens the level oh, gosh. of our of our podcast. Oh, that's good. That's not exactly. And then I get you talking about it, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, "Why is she talking about farts?" <laughs> I'm like, "Cause you brought it up, dummy." It is, you know, um, actually part of this whole sequence. But it's one of those things that we just kind of go, oh, well, someone, you know, and we brush it off. We talked in our last episode about how many everyday things we brush off and don't understand that they're they're like little signals from the body saying, hey, there's a there's a challenge here. Like, hey, I'm running into problems like, hey, please pay attention to me. So it's worth bringing up that actually passing gas. I mean, even so this fight or flight response. You could start to like have an allergy attack, you know, because your immune system starts to flare. Your immune system gets shut off at the same time that your digestive system gets shut off. So some people in response to stress start sneezing or, you know, they just become congested. I mean, there's all these little things that we brush off now that actually are indicators of a fight or flight response. And for neurodiversity, you live in a chronic fight or flight response. So these are not things to brush off. All right. I'll take my farts more seriously from now on. <laughs> Start charting them for me. We'll, we'll see if they match when you're stressed. And I'll call I, it my fart chart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I should have seen that coming, but I really didn't. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, but it's interesting you mentioned charting, uh, you know, for... No, I didn't mention charting. <laughs> I didn't? <laughs> charting. Oh, right. <laughs> I had to think about what I said. I'm like, what did I say? Charting, because when I started this experience with our son a year ago, I actually did start charting my observation. Charting with a C, C C-H-A-R-T, C-H-A-R-T, documenting on a form. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just to be clear. (laughs) As charting. I am not. I am documenting. There you go. I'm making meaningful observations of different biological and neurological things. While charting. (laughs) No. No. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and then trying to elevate the podcast. That's elevating. I yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. Um. And then from there, collecting enough data, if you will, to start putting some meaningful stories behind what we were seeing. And what I started to notice in the data was that there was consistent sleep, digestive, and immunity issues. So most of those 
vitamins that you help me give him address those primary three things. And then in what I've learned from his doctors is that not enough of his doctors, by the way. So this is not something all parents are going to get. But one of the challenges with an autistic biology and true for most neurodiversity is that you don't your body does not eliminate its toxins and the free radicals as effectively as a neurotypical what are free radicals again oh free radicals are isn't like, that a band from the 90s is it you know, know how bad i am at band names sounds like a band um free radicals are uh it's a result of oxidative stress which is um actually something that's getting a lot of money in research right now oxidative stress is a result of you know um, antioxidants you're hearing a lot about that so um, free radicals and oxidative stress are what it's basically a fancy way of saying inflammation in the body and it's inflammation in the body that doesn't get flushed out so you're basically living with your toxins because your body doesn't eliminate them very well got it so not only are your cells not eliminating its toxins, but neither is your digestive system. So wait, the free radicals are the toxins or the free radicals are the things that remove the toxins? The antioxidants are the ones that scavenge and remove the free radicals. Okay. Yep. So I know you kind of like, oh, Rochelle, but I give him ProTandem, mm -hmm. Nerf 1 and Nerf 2, and I give him... I love Nerf. It's one of my favorite toys. <laughs> I should say it, NRF2 which is a natural way to turn on our um, libido <laughs> no it's our um it's our pathway to eliminate these free radicals it's a oh, natural okay. antioxidant uh pathway inside the the body and the brain and then um i give him resveratrol and a b-complex and all of that resveratrol resveratrol yeah it's that it's that property i can't remember if it's a protein or amino, amino acid or it's a property in red wine I can't give our kid red wine. I'm not French, but well, no, well, I was gonna say Italian, or Italian. Yeah, I mean they do give their kids pink water. You know, like they've always said they give their kids wine. They just heavily dilute it. Yeah, not that they don't heavily. They don't dilute it that much. Oh no! I grew up with an Italian. Oh, it's uh, they maybe a splash of water. Oh, it's mostly wine. So is that why he's always asking me? I don't drink wine very often, but for some reason this kid knows all about wine. And he knows the name. I don't wine. know what's going on over here when I'm not around, but apparently you're drinking wine all the time. <laughs> not all the time. But I've never heard him say that though. So. Oh well, if, if I have a bottle that takes me like a month to go through in the refrigerator, he'll open it up and point to it and go wine, and I'm like, how do you know that that's called wine? Hmm. Maybe he was French in another life. No, you. Maybe he works for Facebook because they seem to know everything. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But all of these things help his body detox. You know, I was shopping for his birthday presents um, last month, and I was having a conversation with my sister about how um, I wanted to get him something related to a bike. And I knew you were going to, you wanted to get him a bicycle. And sure enough, within like two days, Google was pushing me all these ads, Google and Facebook pushing me ads for kids' bicycles. Huh. And it's just really unnerving how they do that. And then they, they claim that they don't do that. I know. I'm like, yeah, you do. You do. You totally do. It's a marketing thing. Yeah, because people will, you'll say, it feels like sometimes you'll just talk about something. Right. And you're like, was my was I near my phone when I talked about this? Because all of a sudden you're getting ads for like weird crap that you talked about that mm -hmm. you never looked for. I know. I don't really understand that. But if we were as observant as people 
towards each other about these neurological and biological processes as Google and Facebook were about our conversations. <laughs> We'd have a very different society, I think. It, yeah, it would make things a lot less interesting, though. We'd be, we'd be pretty boring if we were all, like, kumbaya together, don't you think? Absolutely. I think contrast adds excitement. However, I don't... But there's a level of contrast that's exciting, right? We we One of the things we talked about last episode that I just can't stop thinking about is how prevalent trauma and abuse is in neurodiversity, and especially with women. But overall, I mean, that one's not necessarily super gender slanted. Yeah. Um, it's It's really been something that's been looping on my mind. And I started to look a little bit more into it. And we're going to deviate sharply from biology right now. But one of the things I found. What a transition. I know, right? One of the things I found was a really interesting way to say that individuals with neurodiversity are more likely. And I can't remember if it's like, they said highly likely. So I don't know the percentage behind that. But because you are sort of trained at a young age and forced into compliance in order to fit into behavioral norms or learning environments that don't suit you, which we talked about last episode also, that right there makes you more susceptible to abuse. And the part I can't stop looping about is that most of the abuse in these situations is actually coming from the people that you trust the most. Isn't that the way that works, though, typically? Right. The ones, you know, we hurt the ones we love kind of thing. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It happens a lot in the relationship between empaths and narcissists as well. You know, one's always trying to solve for the other or, well, it's usually empaths trying to solve for narcissists. But in the case of autism and ADHD, what the research shows is that because there's so much frustration in the difficulty of communication between the two um it's really easy for the abuse to start happening because i'm just out of frustration just lack of compassion and frustration Hmm. inability to communicate so who's wait who's doing the abusing here the the autistic person or no their caretaker well not necessarily caretaker because it could be like their it could be a parent, it could be an educator, it could be, like, they could feel this from anyone in an authority that's supposed to be helping them. Gotcha. The research kind of went all the way around from talking about situations that were existent in homes or in um, facilities or in educational platforms or therapy centers and things like that. Like, there's always this transition of power. So, when I talk a lot... Which happens a lot. (laughs) That's not what I meant to say. When I mention empowerment a lot is a better way to say it. You know, I keep going back to this theory of the more we can empower each other to, um, you know, find your strengths and really embody them. I, I just I hope that there's a future down the world where these stats can start to trend in the opposite direction. Because when you live in a chronic fight or flight state and you know that fight or flight and freeze, it's just too prevalent to move into that freeze state where you just 
you know, I, I always think about that scene from Jurassic Park with the velociraptors and the... What is with you in Jurassic Park? I was super scared by that movie. I was terrified You've mentioned You've mentioned that years. movie on this podcast several times now. Right. I was terrified. I froze. I, I, would, I, I would, believe I took credit for Jurassic Park in one of the last episodes. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. But that's the image that comes back to my mind all the time when you're scared, when you're just totally terrified about what happens and what happens to someone about animatronic puppets coming to get you they were real like they were realistic okay you didn't think so i mean i liked that movie as a kid i wasn't afraid of it was maybe t- it was because i was watching scary movies and like jurassic park had nothing on the exorcist or uh, you were watching that early on nightmare on elm street or man freddy you know like freddy krueger type of nightmare on elm street type of stuff at what age uh, four. Wh- what? Yeah, like Declan's age, probably, <laughs> or younger, like or, or like around the, like kindergarten, preschool. Who are you watching this with? My mostly my sister. Okay, well that makes sense because she's a decade plus older. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, we would watch. Um, yeah, I have memories of what, what was that Pet Cemetery, the first Pet Cemetery. What? Super. That was one of the scariest movies. <laughs> I remember watching that as a kid. Oh my goodness! Um, what a mental shape shift. Yeah. Anyway, so that in comparison to Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park is And you were much older by then. Yeah, I mean, Jurassic Park, I think, came out like, ninety. I want to say it was like 93. Hmm. So I would have been nine. Yeah, considerably older than four at Pet Cemetery. I'm just saying when you spend enough time feeling scared, eventually you're going to drop shift right into feeling scared. You know, over time, there's cumulative effects. Of See, everything. I talk a lot more when we talk. Let's talk more about movies. Movies. We need. We need to. We need to. We need like a list of autistic movies or something, so I can talk about those. Okay, so you want to divot completely from? Let's not even talk about autism anymore. I'm changing the name of the show. Now it's just called Blake and Movies. <laughs> and Ro- oh, with Rochelle. With Rochelle and Blake's fixed interest. Blake Buster. <laughs> with Blake Fertig and. Sometimes Rochelle. Okay. How about that? That's fair. No, okay, finally we can go back to talking about autism. No, it's ADHD. Okay. I mean, honestly, movies is one of your first fixed interests. And right. interestingly enough, just to bring this full circle, although I know you're going to make that face, when you engage in your fixed interest, guess what happens to your biology? Flatulence. <laughs> no, the opposite. Your body cycles What's into the opposite of flatulence? Digestion. Oh. Your... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Your body actually cycles into proper nutrition and digestion. <laughs> rest and digest. Yes. Okay. Did you know? So I, this is perfect, actually. Did you know that the more time you spend watching movies, you're actually healing your body? Well, then I should be the most healed person in the world. <laughs> I spend a lot of time watching movies. Yeah. In case you're watching, except you're watching scary movies. So you're just not anymore. You know, what's funny is I stopped watching scary movies when I met you because you were like, oh, I like scary I movies. I am a wuss. Okay. So then I wasn't, able, I wasn't allowed to watch scary movies anymore. I really tried to watch a few of them with you, but I do not do well living in that fear. I really get scared. How do you get scared? Oh, You're an I adult. I so scared. It's a movie. It's not a movie it's in a my movie. head. It's a movie. No, it was a real thing. And do you remember when, okay, like I. Like The Shining, great movie. Oh my God. Okay. I have nightmares still. From The Shining, and then parts of The Shining showed up in that really cool movie that it, Ready Player One, and I was like yeah. tra- traumatized all over again. You know that I have challenges. That's for sure. With the things that I visually see, 
Like my visual memory can haunt me. He Declan gets very visually fixated. Like if he sees something and he decides he wants it, that's it. It's a meltdown until you negotiate. Like there's no that's not a tantrum. Like giving it to him doesn't solve it. You have to as a meltdown. But for me, my visual memory is like, oh, my gosh, it can scare me. And my my one real stint of time where I was in extreme anxiety was postpartum anxiety. And every scary movie we ever watched or every scary episode of Criminal Minds or, you know, any of those, you know, cop and detective shows. Oh, my gosh, they haunted me at night. They haunted me. You're a weenie. Maybe, but my fear cycles were triggered. You know, they say like, you know, like, oh, you, you know, those movies, like scary movies, they're all um, uh, pretty much R-rated. Right. And uh, the, the, the lion's share of them are. And so, you know, b- by that thought, then you'd think like, oh, this isn't something a four-year-old should watch. Right. But I feel like it desensitized me enough to where I'm not a pussy when it comes to watching something on TV. But on the flip side, I don't, you know, I don't enjoy watching like real life violence. Like some people like, like boxing and and stuff like that. Every once in a while, I mean, I will say though, every once in a while, like you'll see a video online of someone getting punched in the face and they deserve it. And I'm kind of like, okay, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't even enjoy the humor. I mean, there's so, there's a whole um, segment of entertainment out there where it's like people doing really stupid daredevil stunts and they end up getting badly like, hurt like jackass oh i can't stand that oh stuff. i am so excited I cannot for the, stand the jackass forever is no, coming out ever no no oh, no, 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 no i'm so excited i can't i've do seen it. all th- i've seen all of them in the theater i cannot do it i can't it triggers me so deeply but then i will watch a movie like tenant what's that oh i don't want to know no it's a it's a christopher nolan movie that what? a lot of people tenant yeah what yeah and a lot of people were like oh this movie's too cerebral and i'm like what are you talking about it was I, like i followed it and what does so, that even mean to be too cerebral meaning that the movie itself it's like too complicated to follow too intellectual yeah i mean or I, that it was like too like not entertaining enough no i know like i i don't know it's hard to explain the movie is like i can see how the movie might be confusing sure if you don't follow what's going on. I mean, like to me, I watched it twice. Uh-huh. The first time I watched it, I was like, whoa, it was, it's like, you know, some movies you, you have to like memento. He's, memento. I did that with Pelican brief too. I had to watch it twice to fully understand it. Um, well, it's not that I had to, it, I didn't understand it. It was more just to kind of go back and get details that I might've missed. Right. Um, all the nuances to the plot. Well, there's a lot of the movie. There's parts of the movie where the movie's running backwards and forwards at the same time. I'm talking about memento. No, or uh, tenant. tenant. Oh, interesting. Because it's 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 about time travel, oh. where like there's two. It's hard. You'd have to watch the movie to, okay. to really understand it. But my whole point is that I can enjoy a movie like Tenet, uh-huh. and then also turn around and watch a movie like Jackass Forever <laughs> and be like, "This is great." Like, what was that stupid movie you were showing me with the? Uh, it was just so corny. Um, I, I can't even. remember. Idiocracy. It. Yes. How did you know? Because that's I was, exactly what I was trying to I think was... of a movie that I showed you that you might not have liked yeah that was it that's the, yeah. that was it i just it's more quotable than it is watchable oh that's a good way to put it yeah like, I really once struggled. you watch it like it's more fun to quote it than it is to go back and watch it because i watched it with my mom and the whole time she wasn't laughing and you know when you try like if you like a movie or you like something right and you want to share it with someone 
Uh-huh. And then you're sitting there watching it with them, and then oh, yeah, they're the not enjoying it. Like, yeah. yeah, the entire time. So then you'd like stop liking it as much. Yeah. Like in that moment, you're like, why do I like this? Because this is obviously not very fun. Right. They will. That's reciprocal, actually. That's looking for that reciprocal. Yeah. But you know, it's like va- it's like some in some way it's like validates your interest because someone else likes it or something. So let's talk about that actually, because with a are we going off the rails here? No, like, with we, autism and a fixed else? interest, do oh, you right. do you need that validation, or is that an ADHD? I have no idea. How would I know? I don't know. Well, because the ADHD side of it has that really tricky rejection sensitivity dysphoria, and I feel like the ADHD side of it and that fear of rejection is more of what's being triggered because when you Maybe. have a fixated interest in autism, you don't care what anyone else thinks. Like you're gonna. Go down that rabbit hole and live down there. And yeah, but I still, it doesn't make me not like movies anymore. I remember I went like, um, I don't know if I would call it a date. I went and hung out with this girl at her house. Okay. This was before I met you. It was not recent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify. Just to be clear. Okay. And uh, we're hanging out in like her garage and it's like her and a roommate and like some people down the street, neighbor, her sister was there. Like, so it was, a, you know, maybe like five, six of us or something. Okay. We're all hanging out. And I was talking about like TV and she's like, oh, I don't waste my time with TV. Oh my gosh. And I was like something about movies and like, oh, like what a waste of time. What? There's such a waste of time. But then what's funny is that then like they would just sit in their garage and drink. Uh huh. That's great for the liver. And just bullshit. And And be social? Yeah. but Like just talk? Yeah. But no, but but that was my point is that they would just sit and I'm like, how is... How is it like a movie like a less of a waste of like more of a waste of time than what you guys are doing right now? I would have to agree with you. That doesn't seem. Then again, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not sitting there spending all my free time spending time with people. people, So I don't really not. I mean, because so I guess if it was people like friends, I would like to hang out with them. But just this like, let's sit and drink and talk about nothing. Hmm. And it's not like any of them are funny. No. Like, if you're sitting there bullshit, like, I can totally understand. Like, if you're sitting there bullshit and then, like, everyone's laughing. Right. And it's hilarious. But they would just talk crap. Anyway. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, actually, well what so movies the, are The more you talk about that, the, there is a very socially acceptable, um, how do you call it? Like, it is socially acceptable to sit around and drink, which is a depressant to the body. And socially judge everything. I mean, that's it. It, it started everything. <laughs> everything. It started in beauty parlors. They just didn't do it with alcohol. They did it with you know hair salon chemicals. But that that idea is represented in multiple formats. But it is a very neurotypical thing to do. And and I say that not being judgmental. It's just this i i recognize it in in work formats in like break rooms i recognize it in um school formats like i recognize that pattern a lot and it's not something that i ever paid much attention to in church formats and and just where there's these groups of people like that is an acceptable way to vibe with someone is to have judgments in common and you and i we didn't have judge well i guess we did have judgments like one of the things we bonded over in the early years of our dating life was, you know, we would watch those competitive shows on MTV or whatever, like, um, the challenge, the challenge. And we would mutually, I still watch that show. I, I do love the challenge. We would mutually dislike certain characters together. It was bonding. Well, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before I might have, 
but you know uh i was listening to i was watching a special and it was jay moore you know he's a comedian oh yeah yeah and he's like he's like similar interests he's like that's not what you need when it comes to relationships he's like you need similar hates right i do remember you telling me and this. then he talks about like seeing some person dressed in like a funky way or whatever uh-huh. like you know wearing like a, a pink tank top and like booty shorts or something some right. like some dude and uh both he and his wife are like can you believe this fucking guy <laughs> You believe this guy? And then, like, that's how they they bonded. Right. It's like that movie Neighbors. You know, the husband and wife, they bond over hating the neighbors. Like, that's a really, it's a reoccurring theme, actually. Right. And, but it's, when there's a social element to it, you, I don't think we understand how, how bonding that is when you, like, hey, I have this in common. We both hate this person or we both find this person annoying. I watch it play out at work all the time. What makes that challenging and where um, individuals with neurodiversity stand out is that you don't necessarily pick up on those social cues. So you're just like, what's going on? Why do we not like this person? I don't get it. Whatever. Because you're more focused on a special interest that's more academic or more um, categorical. I mean, like you say, movies and entertainment, that's a very broad category. But you're not individually picking out people. You're talking about a, an entire entertainment category or like D&D is another one I, I watch people kind of bond over or the, the subjects of cooking or animals. I mean, horses, you know, they're they're pets. They, there's it's more topic related. Right. Then like, like Kate was saying that she, like her obsession with dogs. Exactly. Is uh, what helps her like like most of her friends are dog people and she talks about dogs with them. And it's perfectly great. And she actually made a very outstanding career. And that's smart, actually. In the, I think it was in the Love on the Spectrum show that you introduced me to. They made a point of saying, if you can combine your fixed interests with career opportunities, boom, you're gold. Oh, Temple Grandin said the same thing. Yeah. A lot of people still, still don't like Temple Grandin. We talked about that. We did. I don't. I don't fully understand it. Um, she's become. Well, I think she's always been a very sharp advocate, uh, but she's continuing her work, and and I subscribe to her platform. I can't remember the name of it at this moment, but um, I'm I'm consistently impressed by the things that she's putting out to try and educate parents on the, you know, the more, um, what's the word like, the nuances of how to help raise children with autism. And I think that her work is outstanding. I don't fully understand why people don't like her, but, you know, it's not a perspective I have to vibe with. Fair enough. But I'm also an information seeker. Like, my shared interest, my fixed interest is knowledge. Research. (laughs) That's where I'm like, give me more books. So, but, you know. When do you have time to read? Surprisingly, not much I do a lot from midnight to 2 a.m. Oh, so I'm usually asleep. Yeah, that's uh, and then, you know, I get uh, 15 minute breaks here and there. And um, I listen to a lot of books on um, Audible, which I've really enjoyed. But then I have to have the printed books. I got to be able to go back and make notes. Um, So you buy the book and you have the the audio book. Wow, man, you're just not every book, but the good ones I do. Yeah. How do you know if it's a good one if you haven't listened to it yet? I start with the audiobook, and then when I find myself going, man, I wish I could highlight that piece, um, then I end up buying the real book. Gotcha. Yeah. 
I know. Man, authors must must love you. <laughs> I'm like, she's we'll sell her the book twice. New York Times bestseller. <laughs> Best purchaser. I, I wonder why. Well, you know, I mean, I just that's part of my. I just I don't know that visual part of my mind. I need to be able to read it sometimes. I can hear it and do well with my auditory memory, and then times my auditory memory just tanks. I have to be able to read it. Like my my mind has to see it. Okay. Um, I like being read too. You do. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what an audiobook is. Someone's reading to you. Oh, I was like, I can read to you. I, I'm I'm currently working on a Joe Dispenza book called Evolve Your Brain. Can I read that to you? No, I'm good. Oh, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, not not your thing. No, no, no. I like uh, like I uh, like the one of the books that I re- what I, I listen to is I, I like to listen to. Um, I mean, I listen to a lot of different stuff, but most recently I was listening to Seth Rogen's book, your book, which he read. So I like it when the authors read their books. Right. And then I listened to it. What's that other book I listened to? It was Gene Wilder, Kiss Me Like a Stranger. Oh, you did. You told you told me a lot of different periods. Which was pretty good. English. And then uh, I listened to Arm- Armada, which was um, Ernest Klein. He's the guy that wrote Ready Player One. Oh, okay. Which Armada was kind of okay. But it, like the book itself was okay, but the reading of it was good because it was well Wheaton. Which book were you listening to on our way to and from Italy? Was it Ready Player One? I don't remember. Maybe it was it. It was one. Of, it was all I know is um, Josh jo- Joss. Joss Whedon. He's the one that was. No, Will Wheaton. Oh, Will. So it must have been uh, Ready Player One. Joss Whedon is like a filmmaker. Oh, he's the one that shows up on. He's the one that did like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show. He did. He, uh, Doesn't he show up on um, the Avengers? He directed that the Avengers. TV show Big Bang Theory. Just, no, that's Will fucking Wheaton. Oh, the Will Wheaton. Okay, I'm having an issue with the two. Not apparently. Joss Whedon. I need to see it. Okay, if I can see both Will, their faces, Will Wheaton is and see their names, their t- I will okay. remember it for life. Now that this is sorry, okay, everyone, We're pull it up because I, I just me nuts. I have to see it. This part of my mind works visually. I don't have, I mean, my database connects to what I see. This is Joss Whedon. Okay, let me see his face. Oh. Oh. Yeah, this is Will Wheaton. Oh, that's who I know. Oh, I've connected them all wrong. Who was in Stand By Me as a kid. Yeah, I know. Okay, so now I see his face. He's been on Big Big Bang Theory a bunch of times. So uh, now that I see this, I can tell you that I've just universally connected all of Joss. I don't know how Joss Whedon, never heard of anyone (laughs) confusing Joss Whedon and Will Wheaton. I I, I don't know what to tell you, man. All right. That's what I did. Thank you for the clarity. Yeah. I really didn't realize how bad I had messed that one up. Yeah. Anyway, so... So this Will is why Wheaton. I have to have both the book in audible and printed format. You know, I need yeah. to read it. Because you are mental. Well, you know, speaking of mental, I was thinking, no, I was thinking about our last episode, which is um, women living in neurodiversity. And one of the articles that we brought up mentioned a variety of things that might be red flags for women and reasons why they might be ADHD that are often missed. And they included, um, you know, piles of paper, overspending, over-talking. Um, and I honestly went to bed that night thinking, huh, that doesn't, uh, 
feel really far from my what, personal life. What, you think life. you have ADHD? I don't know. I don't know what to think. But I saw a video on TikTok the very next morning where there was someone with ADHD and she was like, hey, these are symptoms of ADHD that I didn't know were things. And one of them is listening to the same song or album over and over and over again, um, which... You do with Taylor Swift. I do, I do. Um, they, she also mentioned that never using overhead lights and always having lamps or ambient lighting is also a strong indicator and, you know. Yeah, but I don't do that. But you like bright lights. I hate lights. Like, I, I don't... I don't like off. bright lights. I just like regular lights. I don't like regular lights. So that I can see. I, I don't like regular lights. Okay. No, I know. I've lived with you. <laughs> right. It's like living with a fucking vampire. <laughs> I'm a massage therapist. We work in the dark. But Yeah, well, you're not massaging anything in the kitchen. No. Well, you know, no, but I do. I It, it was just one of those things where I had to stop and go, oh, my god. You just want to... Look, don't jump on my fun train. I'm not jumping on your fun train, but it now, is an important this, process. Because now it's going to be like, this is Blake. And I'm autistic, and I'm too. <laughs> I'm not autistic. I don't believe I am, but I am curious about ADHD. But I here's my problem, and here's why I've always thought I can't possibly be ADHD is I do not have that much energy. I am I do not have a hyperactive energy. I like you mentioned in the last episode. I'd be perfectly fine if I didn't leave my house. COVID quarantine, fourteen days. Woohoo! I was thrilled. <laughs> Something smells in here. Okay. Sorry. I guess that didn't need to be in the episode, but <laughs> something smells like something something stinky. Like a cat or something? Maybe. Okay. My, well, my sense of smell is kind of in coming and, out? and going. Yeah. yeah. We went it's great when all of a sudden you just start smelling poop. Oh, well, that's not good. So, all right. So, you was that your segue so that we can do this ADHD I test? Did, I did search out to find an ADHD test online that isn't done on paper with manual calculation, something that would give us uh, more of an instant read, which is actually more difficult to find than I realized. But I was curious about going through this test because when we did the autism screening test online, there were a lot of, uh, we got a lot of feedback on how super helpful that was. We haven't done ADHD yet. Now, I, I don't think this is going to come back with a result that I'm ADHD. Let's just be clear. I know I have hyper empathy challenges but i am working with people who w women specifically to carry the theme of last episode there does seem to be a strong connection between anxiety adhd the hyperactive and hyper empathy which i was unaware of and so what that looks like is this need to have a perfect household. Everything has to be clean. Everything has to look like a, you live in a magazine. Um, everyone has to have like the perfect lunches. Dinner has to be on time. You have to have this resume. Of, and this is if you have ADHD? This is the combination of hyper empathy, ADHD, and anxiety. Okay. Basically, your entire life looks like it's perfect by all these social standards that are unachievable. Okay, so the, you you must not have. I exactly, cuz I have no problem. Cuz I've I've seen your cooking. <laughs> it doesn't look like anything from a magazine. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't. I try, but it doesn't. You know what's funny is your cooking was so much better when we lived in the house and then all of a sudden like the few times I've come over here, you've made food where you were like, "Yeah, it's not great." Do you remember the last episode? How many times did I get interrupted? That wasn't my fault. That was 
That was your kid's fault. Exactly. But that's the same. The this my is why I could never date someone with a child. <laughs> my cooking suffers for the same reasons. I'm able to cook with him. I don't know how. Yeah. Well, I got chef Mom, come with me. me. That's his newest thing. Mom, come with me. I mean, you know, things burn on my stove. I'm. Yeah. Okay. Don't blame the kid. <laughs> I'm not blaming. I'm just saying when I walk away from the stove, I know things are likely to burn. Anyways, would you mind so doing how, this test with me? And how, we'll, how are, well, we can't do it together because... Well, can you pull up a second tab and put one on this monitor and you do one and Mark, you did both answers before. How do I do that? You duplicate it? I think so, yeah. We have two monitors. We're all technological. Yeah, but then we only have one. Yeah, but you could do it. You're a master. Yeah. Okay. The baiter. It's not terribly long. You did not even hear that. Never mind. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, in the back of my mind, it's now echoing. Master debater? Yeah, master debater. Is that what you said? No. Oh. All right. Yeah. Well, sorry. I didn't mean to miss that. That's fine. <sighs> How often do you have difficulty sustaining your attention? Well, I'm bored already. <laughs> <laughs> I love the candor. Often. <laughs> How <laughs> often do you have difficulty sustaining <laughs> your attention while doing something for work, school, a hobby, or fun activity? Remaining focused during lectures, lengthy reading, or conversations? Never. Uh, so this one will be me. Okay. What are you? Often. Okay. How often are you easily distracted by external stimuli like something in your environment or unrelated thoughts? Uh, sometimes. I am. Often for me. How often do you avoid, dislike, or are reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustained mental effort or thought? Often. Mm. Do I avoid, dislike, or are reluctant? Well, I might avoid them, but it doesn't mean I dislike. I'll say sometimes. Yeah. Okay. How often do you have trouble listening to someone, even when they are speaking directly to you, like your mind is someone else? Somewhere else. There you go. Author. Oh. So this is interesting. I might totally resent that I have to listen to them, but I can't turn my attention away from them. So what does that classify me it as? Just, I think that would be never. Okay. Go ahead. I mean, that, but it's your, it's your answer. How often do you have trouble listening to someone or even the speaking? Someone's talking to you directly. Do you have a hard time listening to them? No. Okay. So then never. Okay. Well, you, you, you're putting too much thought into it. I am. How often do you have difficulty in organizing an activity or a task needing to get done? Poor time management, fails to meet deadlines, difficulty managing sequential tasks. Sometimes I do, yeah. Okay. Sometimes I prioritize based I'll on what I want to do instead. I'll say sometimes because I don't know if I always do, but it just depends on what it is. How often do you fail to give close attention to details or make careless mistakes in things such as schoolwork at work or during other activities? Um, never. I would say rarely. I'm, I've gotten pretty good at. I'll actually do the opposite. I'll focus too much and I'll miss something obvious, but that's not what the question asked. Okay. How often do you forget to do something you do all the time, such as a missing, missing an appointment or paying a bill? Uh, Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. I need reminders for everything. Yeah. I mean, I have. My calendar is digital, and then I have a written calendar in the kitchen, and I have another one in the hallway on the way to the bedroom. So it's a lot of calendars. Yeah, I realize that, but that's what it takes. 
How often do you lose, misplace, or damage something that's necessary in order to get things done? For your example, your phone, eyeglasses, paperwork, wallet, keys, etc. Oh, I'm perfect at this. I don't need any help. I don't even need like remotes to help find things. Right. I don't appreciate your sarcasm. <laughs> I really suck at this. So what? Often? Often. I do actually. I do often misplace things. I don't really misplace things because no one lives with me to move them and fuck them up. <laughs> Who would do such a thing? How often do you have trouble following through on instructions or failing to finish schoolwork, chores, or duties in the workplace? No. Oh. You start a task but quickly lose focus and are easily sidetracked often for me. Rarely. Rarely for Rochelle. Go ahead and take the next one. How often are you unable to play or engage in leisurely activities quietly? It's an odd question. Cool. Unable to play or engage in leisurely activities quietly. Never. Wait, 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 how often are you unable? Yeah, never. Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. How often do you have difficulty waiting your turn, such as while waiting in line? Oh, never. I can wait all day. But often for you. Okay. Yes, often for me. Okay. I don't like waiting. That's true. Like today I went to Target. Right. And I was going to get a Christmas tree okay. and some lights and I found a beanie. <laughs> really? Was that funny? Because I can just picture that whole thing playing out. Okay. So I I tried to find a beanie and uh, is that not what they're called anymore? I think they still are. Okay. So, and then I, I almost, you'll, and you'll you'll laugh, but I almost bought, uh, what is, what's that stupid thing you wrap around your neck called? A scarf? Yeah. I almost <laughs> bought one of those. <laughs> I love scarves. They're not stupid. Yeah. No. And so I actually, I added one to my Amazon list because I was like, um, it's, it's like it, it gets cold here to it the does. point where it's like colder than Colorado. Yeah. I, it's that damp. Wet Even cold. though it snows there. It's weird. Yeah. No, it's a damp. Yeah. Humid cold is so, so much. I need colder. a, I need a beanie and I need uh, a, a neck, scarf, neck warmer, a neck warmer. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Cause I got a cold neck here <laughs> and I was going to get a, uh, a vest. Okay. But uh, it was like a weird color. Mm. So, um, but no, anyway, so I, w- I went through the, the whole point of the mentioning Target was that I went through and I found like the Christmas stuff. By the way, it has been pillaged by the people. Mm. There's like nothing left. And it's only what, the 4th of December? 5th, 5th of December? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's. And so, like, I was like, oh, and the, the only Christmas trees they had were, like, these little dinky Christmas trees, and they still cost, like, 50 bucks or something. No way. So, all the lights, so I was like, okay, I grabbed the two packs of lights, I grabbed the beanie, I started walking toward the line, and just looking at the line, I abandoned my cart. Oh, wow. And walked out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then I went to Michael's, and they also had been pillaged so like there was nothing there the only like the the cheapest christmas tree they had was like a 100 bucks oh so i ended up just going on amazon yeah that's fair so okay anyway you abandon your your i never do that that is so not me but it was today okay well i because i I was just like when i saw that line yeah it was like nope yep well good for you that's honoring your heart your heart does not want to stand in line all right how often do you feel like you're on the go, acting as if you're driven by a motor. Oh. For example, you're unable to be un- or uncomfortable being still for an extended period of time, such as in a restaurant or a meeting. Okay, that is my mom, but that's not me. I, I'm totally fine being... So what's your answer then? Never. Okay, I would say 
See, I'm going to say often or sometimes. I mean, it's, yeah, at the very least, sometimes. How often do you leave your seat in situations when remaining seated is expected? Like leaving your place in office or workplace. I never get up and leave my seat. I would say rarely because maybe, maybe I've done that before, but I don't think so. Never? I would say never. So you have the ability to sit in your seat when you're expected to. Sitting here with you right now, aren't I? <laughs> oh, ouch. What I'm just saying, like, no, I, you are. But I, I mean, still, just because I'm, I can be enjoying something and, and still so, be so was this like, true? Yeah. Like, what were you like before the medication, though? I don't know. Was it a little bit harder for you to kind of sit still? I don't know. I don't. I'm not in that in tune with my with my bodily functions to know. Okay. Well, fair enough. I'm I'm gonna say never because I I can sit there and suffer. Okay. How often do you blurt out an answer before a question has been completed? Com- um, for example, completing another person's sentence or can't wait your turn in a conversation. What do you? Th- What's your answer? I think rarely, but the way you're looking at me. I'd say never. What? I never do that. When 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 have I ever completed a sentence? Pre-medicated? I would say you hardly ever waited your turn on a conversation. Fine. Rarely. Okay. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> How often do you feel restless? Like you want to get out and do something? Oh. Boom. Never. I, I don't. I'm I know. happy home. Okay. So I think I'm talking to myself out of this here answering these questions how often do you fidget with your hand or tap your hands or feet or squirm in your seat often for you yeah never for me how often do you find yourself talking excessively okay so this i do when i'm nervous i've learned i interviewed for a new job a couple months ago and i thought i was feeling all zen and i in reflection i was like holy crap i talked excessively and i was nervous and it was the first time i'd ever made that connection before and i was like that was uncomfortable you're doing it now no i'm just telling so i know so what's your answer so um sometimes yeah i do okay it's nervous energy it was illuminating how often do you interrupt or intrude on others such as butting into their conversation or taking over what others are doing yeah i do that sometimes i do I do insert myself in conversations. I don't know if I insert myself in conversations. Do I? So you have a really interesting skill. I don't think you insert yourself in conversations like rudely, but you do have this ability to walk in the room and listen to a couple of bantering exchanges in conversation and come up like you can add yourself to a conversation by providing that incredibly funny, situationally perfect comic relief like you have that as a really dominant skill which most people don't like you can read the tension in a room and come back with something super funny and relevant but I don't think that's butting into their conversations but you do know how to add yourself quite skillfully thank you I think all right were the several of the symptoms present prior to age 12 oh no oh no not for me I was a wallflower before age 12. Probably. I don't know. Till much, much later in my life, actually. According to the feedback you got on your report cards in your baby book. I I guess so. That would be true, yeah. What's the last question? Do the symptoms appear in at least two or more settings? For example, at home and at school. Oh, so for you, I would say yes. Because I've heard your family and your teachers both give that feedback, but... Mm. 
And I, I remember those two things are qualifications of the diagnosis, but for me, no. All right, let's see your results. Okay. ADHD unlikely. No, he, you do not have a huge dick. <laughs> I don't. A dick huge. A dick huge, right. There you go. So I scored 17 out of 58. Okay. You have answered this anxiety screening in such a way as to suggest that you are not likely currently suffering from an anxiety disorder. Why is it saying anxiety? See, okay, this is the first time anxiety and ADHD has been linked in something. This is actually from Psych Central. So I thought my theory connecting ADHD and anxiety is just because of the fight or flight thing we've talked about, that I'm alone in saying that. This feels really validating to see that. Not because it's me, but because they just said it's an anxiety disorder. I didn't know that. Hmm. As anxiety is our body's way of telling us that we should pay closer attention to a situation, event, or person in our lives even if that person is ourselves. I'm feeling like tiny bit smart right now. That's what I was saying at the beginning of the episode. Okay. So look, um, my scoring. Oh, I'm zero to 20. Okay. I understand. You got a 17. Right. I got it. So let's let everyone know this is psychcentral.com. Mm-hmm. So that's P-S-Y-C-H-C-E-N-T-R-A-L.com. If you leave this up, I'll put a... Link, link in the show notes in the show notes okay so look for the link in the show notes folks adhd test okay so what's yours get results likely 45, 45 out of 58 oh wow okay based upon your responses to this adult adhd screening quiz you definitely fucking have adhd <laughs> that's what it says People who have answered similarly to you typically qualify for a diagnosis of ADHD or ADD and have sought professional treatment for this mental health concern. Okay. Well, thanks for the reminder, Rochelle. I'm, I appreciate you going through this with me. I, it's just what we talk about, you know, like different things that could be indicators and it's just difficult to know if those things are true indicators or they just happen to be like preferential lighting environmental choices i don't know like it was it was important for me to go through this and know because i'm not shying away from my mental health state either i know you know it's important to get answers and if you have questions like i did i encourage you to do the same thing okay i would encourage people to do this yeah take take some take some online tests and terrify yourself (laughs) no but but really stop and think. I mean, the ability to self-edit and self-analyze is, is truly a skill. And one of the things I know is present with ADHD and autism both is um, 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 body awareness, troubles, oh. being aware of your own body sensations or body needs. And, you know, so these are behavioral things and anxiety is definitely one of those things. And it has that biological effect like we were talking about. If you really start to understand... <gasps> Oh my gosh, I'm feeling I'm feeling threatened right now or I'm feeling like my ego is triggered or um I don't, you know, I don't feel great in my stomach. These are all both behavioral and emotional and biological indicators, you know, that we're responding to stress. Then the question is is it is it something you're dealing with chronically, you know, is it does it warrant a diagnosis or because the belief is that until neurodiversity really started to be better understood, the belief was that everyone was neurotypical. And what that meant is we developed in a typical fashion neurologically and developmental milestones were reached within ranges. 
and everybody lived biologically in the part of our central nervous system that lives in rest and digest and we live in rest and digest and our immune systems are strong and we're digesting and we're sleeping and everything is fine and then we only move into fight or flight when you encounter a threat and my theory is that neurodiversity is the complete opposite and you live in fight or flight and your goal is to do your best to downregulate and get into rest and digest and therefore that's what makes fixed interests and your passions and your ability to explore them so beneficial and I don't think most people understand how great that is because you actually get to heal your body in those moments so use it and be like no 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 I'm gonna watch movies for the next five hours and I'm gonna heal my digestive system that's right let's watch the Lord of the Rings that is a worthy adventure to watch them all back to back yep I like to watch them back to front. That's confusing. No, it's fine. Could you do that, though? Could you sit there long enough to watch them all back to back? Or would you have to kind of get up because you're I've I've watched them all back to back. Like in the same day? Like yeah. marathon style? Yeah. I used to watch like... Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I feel like as I'm getting older, getting older it's, it's harder to do that because I've, I just remember things from movies so well but i used to sit and like i would watch like the original star wars trilogy i would watch all three of those back to back oh interesting watch um back to the future okay back to back right you do and you love those movies uh indiana jones yep those are good ones um just gonna name movies now. i i could do that with west wing i could just sit and watch west wing on repeat yeah west wing's good but it's it's not tv shows i don't i don't like binge watching as much because you don't get that sense of, uh, what's the word I'm looking like for? Completion, like it's just yeah, drawn like out. It's just yeah. I mean, like there's there's no completion's not the word though that I'm looking for. It's um, not conclusion. Damn it, damn it, brain. Like, well, the thing that's different for me about movies resolution. Oh, there you go. That's the word I was looking for. Where at the end of the, you know, if you watch Back to the Future, pretty much the end of the movie, like it, the movie's done. Like right. there's no more episodes to watch. Right. You're right. You're right. You they know, tell the story much faster. And then like in a TV show, especially something like West Wing, it's like what, eight seasons? E, I don't remember. Okay. They took it off Netflix and I cried. Okay. But if you sit there, you cried. I did. But if you <laughs> sit there and watch West Wing, like you, you know it's going to, the... Uh, the investment of time is so much greater right. than being able to sit and watch a couple movies. Okay, I can see that. I can totally see that. And and it does take, you know, months to get through. Well, may not me, but it does take a long time to get through a series. Yeah. Yep. That's like, fair. Like That's when fair. I sat and I watched, I watched twenty four. Mm-hmm. Oh I, yeah. And I was. You went I, on did a that take like three weeks or something to watch that? It didn't take you that long no, because it, you, I watched. I, I watched it all day every day. You did all day. You were up thirty six hours in a row. You'd sleep for fifteen. You'd come back for thirty six. You were on the energy drinks. That was pre diagnosis energy. Right, and I was so that was like became it like once I was interested in that show, it became my obsession. It was like I'd fall asleep to season two and wake up to season three. Yeah. Like I remember. You're like, I, I haven't gone to bed yet. When I was in school, I was obsessed with. Um, and it's funny because now I go back and I'm like, eh, it's not that great. But when you first watch it. With 24? I mean, most like most shows, I think. 
Well, there's like, that element they, of surprise. Yeah. So, but the the show that got me in college was Heroes, the first season. Oh, Heroes. Because like good. every episode. Yeah. I literally like ditched. I was like, and we had like this class, and the we we're supposed to be going over like all the information for a test. And I told one of the guys in my class, I was like, can you take notes for me? Because like, I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> really? Yeah, I just went home to watch Heroes. So you just got up out, just like the, the test just asked. You just got out of your seat and went home at I guess inappropriate I times. Yeah. No, I didn't even show up to class. I just showed up outside class. I was like, hey, man, before you go into class. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I came all the way here, but like, I'm, I'm ditching like, out. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I just, well, no, I needed to talk to someone about covering for me so I could <laughs> go so watch my show. It's so responsible of you. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I graduated with three point seven zero. No, you're a smart cookie. There's no doubt. I could. I would have definitely if I would have if I actually would have tried in college. I probably would have got a four point Okay. Can we just say right now? I don't think it's a lack of trying. I think if what what you're saying. But I never really. That, st- I never really st- like. I would show up to class and someone would be like, "Are you ready for the test?" And I'd be like, "What test?" <laughs> and, I, and, and I'd get a B. Right, because you're naturally intelligent, but. You got that same feedback on all of your reports from the teachers that are in your baby book. If you just apply, and your mom says it to this day, I just want to punch. Like, if you would just have applied yourself, I'm like, it's neurological for a reason. It's not just a matter of, hey, I want, I have a desire to apply myself differently. We just took an online screening test that outlined multiple categories and reasons why it's not a matter of a reward versus a consequence. That's a neurotypical neurology. Yours is, as you said before, urgent interesting or important that's what motivates your brain it's it's just like you said before if someone had taught me the way i learn i don't think it's fair to go down the route of well if i'd applied myself different you know it like well if they had taught you in a way that was more interesting also you see what i'm saying i'm trying to tease apart some really old social judgments of how neurodiverse individuals have been mislabeled and misidentified when it comes to your ability to learn. It's not an application issue. It's an interest opportunity. Okay. Sorry. End soap box rant. There you go. Get down. But I do think you apply yourself. That's why you got the B. Yeah, but I mean, if I was really smart, then I would have got an A without... No, 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 no. That's neurotypical judgment. If you were really interested, you would have gotten an A. Maybe. Remember, you have a selective learning, learning disorder. disorder. Exactly. That's right. So bring, bringing it full circle, if you were really interested, you would have gotten an A. Yeah. You probably would have re- re- rewritten the course for the professor and been like, here, here's a better way to teach it. Yes, that's, in, that's how intelligent I am. <laughs> it's just, I do think intellectual gifts are very prevalent. And when the biology of neurodiversity is nurtured, through supplementation and the things that you need to build those systems that are chronically not being supported automatically by your body, the brilliance of your intelligence does have a chance to shine through, especially when combined with your shared interests. Okie dokie. So thank you for sharing your selective learning disorder with us. I actually think it's a very brilliant way to describe yourself um, throughout your journey. And you, and you lived most of your uh, life so far without the help of a diagnosis. So actually, the fact that you even came to that is very intuitive of you. Thank you. Should we, is that, should, we, should we call the episode Selective Learning Disorder? I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Yeah, but is that going to be something... That's not something people would search for. Well, we'll have to tweak that. We'll have to work on that. 
Hmm. We'll figure it out. What what else could SLD be? I can't say out loud. Shh, I'm not going to say it either. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we'll leave that to the imagination. The wheels were turning, and I was like, <laughs> "Let's self-edit here." Don't say skill. it. <laughs> Self-editing is a skill. All right, fine. I think this is a great episode. Thank you for uh, exploring ADHD a little bit more with me, especially being a woman and. You know, just having questions. I'm not a woman. I am. Oh, I right. am a woman. And I forgot. I had questions. And, you know, we had that episode last time about women living with neurodiversity. So it, it's kind of a part two. Yeah. You don't have to take one test and then decide that the answers aren't, you know, take a, take a couple quizzes if you really feel like that you identify with this. But I think you should really, I mean... When, when you take these tests, uh, when you sit down with a psychiatrist or a uh, psychologist or a, uh, you know someone that has a master's degree that is a therapist. Right. You know, I'm trying Absolutely. to think of like all the different levels. I forget well, what that's called. Well, multiple therapists, like yeah, are trained Different types of now. therapists. Some general practitioners. You know. um, but anyone that does that and has a specialty, especially in ADHD, they're going to give you like a couple pieces of paper to look through. And usually what it would be would be, you know, like in our case it was like here you give this to your spouse or a parent and have them fill it out yep and then you fill out the paperwork and then you they compare and they contrast and they see like you know what what adds up to what and so for me it was just like yeah you you're not going to answer every single thing i mean you might though but well that's what you just brought up and i know we're we're kind of over on time but um i was working with another person who their family believes that they might have bipolar and bipolar bipolar sorry i got distracted by something but bipolar disorder and the the screening for that is very similar where the family actually she was asked to have three different family and friend members fill out the same survey about her and the theory behind that is you don't always observe yourself in certain things and as we know most of it is because you're you're kind of mirroring and masking and you're not even really seeing your own actions for what they are as someone else would through like an um, observational standpoint so it's really important that we get multiple viewpoints and and the doctors do that that's partially why that test is so expensive and so lengthy is because you've got to look at the person 360 degrees um, and, and bipolar in, in my mind is a neurodiversity as well you're just lumping it all together if you look on my website rochellechandler.com there's a neurobiodiversity page and i have just listed the impairments and they just line up in certain categories as compared to the dichotomy of fight or flight freeze so you know i did my research based on neurological foundations i'm just telling you what lumped into those buckets based on those criteria bipolar fit on the freeze side i think we're running a little long today so um everyone hopefully uh stayed with us the entire time absolutely um now i'm I'm racking my brain trying to think of what the hell we're going to call this episode (laughs) um music will be starting very shortly absolutely um i wrote a new tune today which is kind of i was happy with it and then i like listened to it after i kind of mixed it together and it was like meh so enjoy the meh um coming 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 your way i like your music because it's like appropriately moody and i get to just Uh, kind of apply my own i'm very moody plot to the storyline of the music so there you go um don't forget to share the uh the podcast damn it we need more listeners (laughs) grateful for the ones we have we're grateful for the ones we have but we we gotta we gotta save more people that's what i think this is a mental health awareness mental health that's right um it does have comedic 
what's it called? Comedic relief. Um, comedy relief. Comedy relief. Comic relief. But also, you know, real life applications because this is this is kind of our real life. <laughs> but it is kind of our real life. Also, uh, don't forget to if you are a listener and you have not yet joined the Facebook group, it is called "You Don't Sound Autistic." Absolutely. As of this recording, I think we have a hundred and three people. I think you're right. Something like that. So yep. thank you to everyone that has joined the group. Uh, share and and join and become part of the conversation. And uh, you know, definitely comment. Um, and so that we, you know, and if you have any questions or if there's anything that you think we should be covering that we haven't, uh, let us know because mm-hmm. I would be interested to uh, to hear what you have to say. So um, I think that wraps it up for us tonight. Um, I'm Blake, and I'm Rochelle, and we'll be back. <laughs>